You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this Monday. Boy, is this going to be a very fun and information-filled podcast. We'll go over some of your games from yesterday. We'll look ahead to the NFL playoff matchup. Wildcard weekend is set. We've got your two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and one game on Monday night. If you haven't seen the schedule, we'll go over that. We're going to talk a little bit, preview tonight's national championship game between Washington and Michigan. We'll update you on Circus Survivor, what happened there, and we will talk real quickly at the end, give kudos to a former um, attendee of the Reality Steve fan appreciation party who ended up winning big in Las Vegas. And we will get to all that momentarily. So where do you begin yesterday with what happened in the NFL? I guess I'd say one of the biggest storylines coming out of the end of the regular season and on to the playoffs starting this weekend is the fact that there were three teams that pretty much choked away winning the division, and now they're in a much worse spot. Let's first start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team that was 8-3 and three in the AFC South after 11 weeks. They finished the season 1-5. They don't hit their over-under team win total for the year at nine and a half all they needed to do was go two and four down the stretch they couldn't do that they finished one and five they finished under the nine and a half win total and all they had to do yesterday was beat Tennessee on the road and they win the AFC South and they host the Cleveland Browns in the wild card weekend couldn't do it and not only do they not even make it in as a wild card they are out of the playoffs altogether eight and three and you finish nine and eight and don't even make the playoffs Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. 10-1 and one after 11 games. Jacksonville was 8-3. and three. Second, Tied for the best record in the AFC after 11 games. Don't even make the playoffs. Philadelphia Eagles, 10-1 and one after 11 games. Best record in the NFL after 11 games. And they're not even going to get to play a home game in the playoffs. <laughs> Philly, 10-1. and one, And we've said this. There's two things to look at here with Philly being 10 and 1 after 11 games. To get to 10 and 1, they were 7 and 1 and then they won they won against the Cowboys, they go on the road and beat Kansas City and then come home and beat Buffalo who was off a bye week. So they were 10 and 1 off three great wins. What do they do down the stretch? 1 and 5. Just like the Jacksonville Jaguars. And not only 1 and 5, lose to the Arizona Cardinals, lose to the New York Giants yesterday in blowout fashion, and also got blown out by the Cowboys and the Niners. It just, you couldn't have predicted this. The only thing you could have looked at after 10-1 and one was they had only had one win of, of their 10 wins, excuse me, of those 10 wins, eight of them were by one score or less. They were one score wins. So, we figured it would even out, but it didn't mean that you were going to get not only go one and five down the stretch, but three of those five losses would be absolute blowouts. You lost by three to Seattle, uh, and you beat um, you beat the Giants by eight, which was a one-score game. But Dallas blew you out. San Francisco blew you out. The Cardinals come back from 21-6 to beat you by four, 
and then you lose to the Giants yesterday in just embarrassing fashion, 27-10. Look, it wouldn't have mattered yesterday because the Cowboys won. So Philly was looking at the five seed no matter what. Problem is, who in the world thinks Philly is good to go for the playoffs? I know Philly fans are going to be like, hey, it's a new season. We you know, put everything behind us. I'm sorry, when you lose five of six heading into the playoffs and three of those are in blowout fashion and your team looks absolutely nothing like the team that went 10-1, and one, I know you're going to try and talk yourself into the fact that we were once 10-1, and one, we can get that back. No, you can't. Not the way you just now you might win one game because you're playing at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are a nine and eight football team. But who in their right mind would go into this weekend's Well, they play on Monday night. Uh, who would even think that the Eagles are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They might. But uh, gambling wise, you just stay away from that game because it is nobody has any sort of feel on that. If Tampa Bay won, would you be really surprised? No, because let's just say Tampa Bay wins after the fact. What is the narrative going to be? Well, of course they won. Philly was 1-5 down the stretch and hadn't played well in a month and a half. If Philly wins, I'm sure some people will be saying, see, they got their swagger back. And then some people, smart people, would be saying, okay, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were 9-8. and eight. Let's, let's not give them their flowers, which is the new favorite quote going around and the new favorite saying going around now. But um, Philly, talk about choking. I mean, through 11 weeks of the season – Jacksonville Jaguars, 8-3, tied for best record in the AFC. Philly, 10-1, best record in all of the NFL. Jacksonville doesn't even make the playoffs, and Philly doesn't even get a home playoff game. <laughs> and that was a month and a half ago, how much they were leading. Unreal. And then the third team, unfortunately, is the Miami Dolphins. After 12 games, Miami was 9-3. Buffalo was 6-6. Six six. They had a three-game lead on the Buffalo Bills with one game in hand because they had beaten them once. Buffalo goes 5-0 and down the stretch. Miami goes 2-3, and and now Miami's on the road for round one. Buffalo ends up as the two seed. This is a team that was 6-6 six and six after 12 weeks of football, and they are now the two seed in the AFC. I don't think they're playing like a two seed, even though they have won five in a row to end the season, but Josh Allen is still making the same mistakes that he made in his first five years in the league. I mean, good Lord, dude. You're a six-year vet in this league. Can you stop throwing off your back leg when you're being pressured and just throwing it up in the air? I do not trust Josh Allen as far as I can throw him. Yes, they won yesterday, but look at who the Dolphins were missing. The amount of injuries they had on the defensive side of the ball, not to mention they had their number one running back out, Raheem Mostert, who led the NFL in touchdowns this year, or was second behind McCaffrey, I believe. But 22 touchdowns out of the lineup, and your number two receiver, Jalen Waddell, out of the lineup. So I'm not saying it's not a good win by Buffalo. They deserved it. They won the game. They had every chance to lose that game, but they went out and won it. Okay, you get the number two seed, and you draw the Steelers at home, which was definitely something that they needed. And, you know, being they've already been installed as 10-point favorites at home against Pittsburgh. I think one thing that's interesting last night, and I was texting this with friends before the game, with Miami was Miami was in a really tough spot. And while it was tough, I was telling friends, I was saying, look, I don't think it's a big deal if Miami loses this game. Because if Miami would have won last night, they would have gotten a rematch with Buffalo next week. Same place, in Miami. Do you really think Miami would have beaten them twice in a span of two weeks? I don't. 
We just that 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 rarely happens, especially when both teams played their starters in the final in the final week of the season. Because we've seen a team, two teams play each other in week eighteen and then play each other in the first round. But usually in that week eighteen game, one if not both of the teams are resting people. This was two teams that literally wanted to win last night. If Miami would have won, it would have been really tough to come back six or seven days later and beat the same team again. So I was fine with Miami losing, actually. I mean, obviously you want a home game. I get it. You want a home game, you want the two seed. But I'm sorry. I think they have a better chance of winning in Kansas City this Saturday night than they would have beating Buffalo two weeks in a row. I really do. That's how I feel about Miami. You know how I feel about Kansas City all year. They can't score. Kansas City played Miami earlier this year in Kansas City. The final was 21 to 14. The Chiefs beat the Dolphins. Who says Miami can't win it in a rematch? I think they absolutely can. Now, the weather isn't going to be very helpful. In case you haven't looked, the weather in Kansas City, as of looking at it Sunday night, the weather in Kansas City was a high of 15 this Saturday. They have the Saturday night game, it's on Peacock only. The high in Kansas City this upcoming Saturday is 15. Well, the game kicks off at 7.15 local time. I don't think it's going to be 15, <laughs> 7.15 local time. So you're looking at probably single-digit temperatures. Is that going to bode well for the Miami Dolphins, the team from Miami, Florida? Probably not. Kansas City used to playing in cold. But honestly, these guys are all professionals. I kind of throw that out the window now. I really don't think unless it is like super windy or super rainy, I think just straight cold, both teams are dealing with it. I I understand they're the Dolphins. They're from Miami. It's a lot of sun there. I get it. But these guys all played college football, most of them, at some point. In fact, all of them did at some point. And I'm guessing all of them at some point played in cold weather. So let's not pretend like this is just, oh, my gosh. Because if it was that big of a deal, why is the line only Kansas City minus three? Basically, you get three points as being a home team in the NFL. Maybe it's down to two now. But the bottom line is what the odds makers are saying is on a neutral field, these teams are even. So to say that, oh, my gosh, Miami can't possibly win in single-digit temperatures, just remember what they did last year in the first round of the playoffs without Tua. Remember last year? They go into Buffalo. They were like two touchdown underdogs, and they hung with them all game, and that was with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback the third stringer. So just keep that in mind. They have a better team. I'm assuming Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddell are going to play, and we all know how Kansas City has fared this year at home. They're just not what they were the last five years. I'm not saying Miami's going to win, but immediately dismissing it because of a weather and, oh, my gosh, Miami ended the season two and three. Kansas City wasn't really that good this year either at home. So to me, the game's a toss-up. That's the way I look at it. Some other things that ended up happening yesterday in the NFL. You know, Tampa Bay gets in because they beat the Carolina Panthers 9 to nothing. Looked terrible doing it. Couldn't even score a touchdown against the worst team in the NFL. But they all they had to do was win. They won. They advanced. They win the NFC South. They are hosting the Eagles. The New Orleans Saints had a chance to win the NFC South if they won and Carolina beat Tampa Bay. Did not happen. It's just funny that New Orleans puts up 48 points at home and Tampa Bay puts up nine on the road and they end up winning the NFC South. Um, But 
New Orleans misses their over-under season win total by a half. Won nine games this year. End up finishing nine and eight. And I lose my bet because of those eight losses, I'd say four of them were flat-out embarrassing. I mean, flat-out embarrassing. And that's that's the tough part, you know? I think a lot of the games that the New Orleans Saints won this year, they won pretty handily. And they won because they were the better team in that game. They had eight losses this year where they were probably coin flip in the fourth quarter on four of them. So, very frustrating they didn't hit their over. Very frustrating Jacksonville didn't hit their over nine and a half when they're sitting there at eight and fucking three through 11 games. Ugh. Kick to the nuts. But it's the way it goes sometimes. So, I finish two and two on my NFL over-unders this year. Winner on Carolina under. Winner on Pittsburgh over, loser on New Orleans under, loser on or loser on New Orleans over, loser on Jacksonville over. So two and two on the NFL over unders. Some interesting numbers to look at when it comes to the playoff matchup. So here's what we got. In case you haven't looked at the schedule, the first game on Saturday, three thirty Central time. Or let's do just do Eastern time for every. I'll say Eastern time for everything. So on Saturday, the first game, you knew it was going to be Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> you just knew it was going to be Cleveland at Houston. They they basically take the worst game of the six, and they always put that first. The first game on Saturday is always the worst matchup, especially worst matchup when it comes to, you know, team names, brand names. Yeah, just give us Cleveland on Saturday afternoon. three uh, 4.30 Eastern time, and then 8 o'clock Eastern time, only on Peacock, though. You have to have Peacock streaming or else you can't watch the game is Miami at Kansas City. And then the three games Sunday, you start with 1 p.m. Eastern time, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, the 4.30 Eastern time game right in that primetime window for Fox, Green Bay at Dallas, and then the Sunday night game, Rams at Detroit. The Monday night game is going to be Philly at Tampa. So Tampa, for the second year in a row, hosts the Monday night wild card game. Last year was against Dallas, and they got destroyed. So a couple things to look at here. By the way, before the uh, the order was given of the games or who was going to be playing when, I have this – I mean, I'm big onto TV and which game's going to get which time slot and all that. So I sent my predictions to my friends, and I went one for six. I knew Cleveland-Houston was going to be the first game, and that's the only one I got right. I really thought they were going to go Eagles-Tampa on Saturday night and give Peacock – you know, they weren't going to give Peacock the Cleveland-Houston game. There's no way – they would have done that because already people don't want to pay to watch a game. They certainly were going to pay to watch Cleveland-Houston. At least I was thinking, well, Eagles-Tampa, the Philly fans are definitely going to pay to watch the game. But they decided to go with um, – well, who they decided to go with? Uh, oh, Miami-Kansas City. So I had my Saturday – after my first game on Saturday, I said, was either going to be – this is before the Miami-Buffalo game had ended. I said, they're going to go, you know, Buffalo or Pittsburgh at Miami – or Pittsburgh at Buffalo, and that's what they ended up doing, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. So I got one and a half right. I, I was in the right frame of mind with that. Um, and then I thought the afternoon game on Sunday was going to be the Kansas City home game, and it wasn't. So they moved that to Saturday. Then I thought Green Bay-Dallas would be the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game would be Rams-Detroit. I really thought um, that was going to be the thing. But when you look at it, of the six games this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday – what they try and do, the biggest TV windows are that Sunday mid-afternoon game, 
which is going to be Green Bay, Dallas, two storied franchises in NFL history. And then Sunday Night Football is always the most watched game of the week. And they gave the second best game of the weekend, which is Rams, uh, Detroit. I, you could argue Rams, Detroit's the best matchup of the weekend because it's a three point spread versus Dallas is supposed to beat the Green Bay. But it made sense that, okay, yeah, I can see why they went Sunday. Uh, late afternoon game, and then the Sunday night game were the two best games, and that's what they did because Cleveland-Houston is a dog game that most fans, I mean, if you watch the NFL, you want to watch the playoffs, clearly you'll watch the game, but it's the least intriguing of the six games, let's be honest. Miami at Kansas City is going to be a good game. Um, Buffalo-Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh's a, I mean uh, Buffalo's a 10-point favorite over Pittsburgh, so I don't think anybody expects Pittsburgh to win, especially now that T.J. Watt has a grade two MCL sprain, so he ain't playing. He's their best defensive player. That's a huge blow to the Steelers. And then, you know, Eagles-Tampa Bay. I, that's not really a great game considering Tampa Bay is 9-8 and eight and Eagles are coming into the playoffs losing 5-6. of six. So, yeah, your two best games this weekend are Green Bay-Dallas, Rams-Detroit, and then the third best game is, is definitely Miami-Kansas City. And then after that, just rank the games 4, 5, and 6. So they gave Miami-Kansas City primetime Saturday night only on Peacock. Dallas and Green Bay get the prime mid-afternoon game on Sunday, and the Sunday night game goes to Dallas, or excuse me, to Detroit and the Rams. So interesting how they did that. I thought I'd get, I thought I'd do better. Um, when it comes to Super Bowl, fifty-seven previous Super Bowls have happened. You know the one seed has played the one seed in the Super Bowl only 14 times in 57 seasons? 14 times. Now, the first 10 Super Bowls didn't have seeding, so you take that away. But still, 14 times in 48 seasons, the two top teams in each conference ended up playing for the Super Bowl. Eagles-Chiefs last year was the first one seed versus one seed in the last six years. For five years in a row, we didn't have it. So while it looks so easy to be like, oh, my gosh, all the Ravens have to do is win two home games and they're in the Super Bowl. All the Niners have to do is win two home games and they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you could say that till you're blue in the face. The statistics bear out something completely different where it's just not easy for the two number one seeds to get to the Super Bowl. You would have had it happen way more than 14 times out of the previous 48 Super Bowls if it was easy to do. Now, it might happen. I mean, last year we got a one-on-one -on -one seed versus one seed. It might happen. I'm just saying if it doesn't, don't be too surprised and remember that statistic. So who's going to be the upset this weekend? Every single time the NFL playoffs start, for the last three years since they've gone to seven playoff teams in each conference, that means we have, you know, three games in each conference. We've only had that for three years. Before that it was, you know, six um, teams in each conference make the playoffs, but the one and the two seed got buys. So you got two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday for the longest time. So it was, there was usually always an upset. Very few times did the lower seed win all four games. Well, now that you got six games, it's never happened where the two seed, the three seed, and the four seed won in both the AFC and the NFC. It's never happened. And granted, it's a small sample size. It's three years. But I will say this. And this is probably something that not a lot of people know. It doesn't necessarily mean this is going to happen again, 
But in the three years that they've had seven playoff teams in each conference, in the NFC, the sixth seed has beaten the three seed every single year. It's happened every single year. So the Rams uh, beat Seattle in 2020. In 2020, San Francisco beat Dallas in 2021. The Giants beat Minnesota last year. Just something to keep in mind. Like I said, it does not mean the Rams are going to beat Detroit since that's the 6-3 matchup this year. But all three years, the sixth seed in the NFC has beaten the three seed in the NFC. So you keep that in mind as you head into this weekend's games and looking for who's going to be, who's going to be the road team that wins. Well, you got two road teams that are favorites. Cleveland's two-and-a-half-point favorite at Houston, so them beating Houston is not any sort of upset. And Philly is two-and-a-half-point favorites at Tampa Bay. So even if Philly wins, as bad as they're playing, it's not going to be considered an upset. So you have four road teams that are underdogs. Pittsburgh's getting 10 at Buffalo. Green Bay's getting seven-and-a-half at Dallas. And then the Rams are plus three. And Miami's either plus three, and Rams at plus three at Detroit, and Miami's either plus three or three and a half at Kansas City. I'm telling you right now, the public underdog of the week is going to be the Rams. I think it'll start spreading around that the sixth seed in the NFC has won the last three years. Rams, after starting three and six, have gone seven and one. They're a hot team heading into the playoffs. Matt Stafford is going back to play where he played a majority of his career in Detroit. Detroit, while finishing 12-5 and this year, great season, great last two seasons. But let's remember, everybody, I mean, I, I can't name, like, the backup offensive lineman and defensive lineman, but this is a Detroit Lions team that is new to the playoffs. Most of the Rams are new. Their head coach has won a Super Bowl. The quarterback's won a Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, Cooper Cup has won a Super Bowl. So they've got a, they've got a little bit of playoff experience, but this is – a very, very young Rams team. I think they said it's the seventh youngest team in pro football history. So you got to keep that in mind. Detroit, great story, but you have to take experience into consideration when you're looking at the playoffs. They've never been in this position before. They're hosting a playoff game, and they've never, they're not used to this. So how do they handle it? Again, it's going to be a great game. I mean, I think the storyline of you're going to hear Matt Stafford used to play for the Detroit Lions um, probably about 1,500 times. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Um, but those are your matchups. I'm telling you, the Rams are going to be a public underdog this week. Doesn't necessarily mean I don't like them. Doesn't necessarily mean I do like them. You just got to keep it in mind. Obviously, anything can happen. We just don't know. I will get into the point spreads about it and what my leans are, but honestly, I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna say to pick games. I'm gonna give the whole goal is let's see if I can go undefeated in the playoffs. See if I can go 11 and 0 because that's basically what it's gonna come down to. You gotta have uh, or 13 and 0. Sorry, it's 11 0 or 13 games in the playoffs. I can't remember, but oh uh, no, there's gonna be um, six games this weekend, four games the following weekend, two yeah 13. See if I can go 13 and 0. Against the spread. I should. I probably couldn't even go 13 and oh, just picking the winner. I don't think anybody could. Honestly. You know how hard it is to go 13 and 0? Just eliminate the point spreads and just pick your six winners this weekend. I guarantee you're not going 6 and 0. And if you do, then you got to go 4 and 0 next weekend. And then you have to go 2 and 0 the weekend after that. And then 1 and 0 in the Super Bowl. So um, I'll give my leans. 
Um, but I don't I don't like any of these games, to be honest with you, in terms of, oh, I really like this one gambling-wise. I just think it's it's playoff time. You just you don't know what's going to happen. So the Circus Survivor Pool ended this past weekend. We had four people left in the pool, and two of them took the Raiders, and two of them took the Bengals. So all four ended up splitting $9.26 million, which comes out to... $2,316,750 for each of them. Now, I had reported earlier last week that I heard that they were chopping $7 million, $1.75 for each of the four contestants remaining, and then they would play off the remaining two point two six seven between four people. Well, even if they did that, they're still ending up with the same amount of money. So, doesn't matter. Four people, two point three one six. 750. That's what each of them are getting. Just an unreal. I mean, you understand, those people went 20 and 0. There are no buybacks. You know, yes, I understand you could have up to 10 10 entrants, but you heard what Jeff Benson said. One person had one entry, one person had two entries, one person had four, and one person had seven. And there were plenty of people this season that had 10 entries. I want to say over 500. They had a breakdown of how many of the entries, like of the 9,267 people that entered the pool, I think only 2,200 people entered. That's how many. So you had almost 7,000 extra entrants in terms of uh, people had multiple entrants because it was like it was either between 2,200 or 2,400 that entered the pool. 2,200, 2,400 different people said, I want to enter the pool. But so many people had multiple entries, it got the pool up to 9,200. So, yeah, I mean, that just shows you that um, this is only going to get bigger. I can't wait till next year's pool. I don't know how many entrants I'm going to do next year. It's going to be multiple, though. Because, yeah, it gives you a better chance. It still all comes down to avoiding the big upset. And there's going to be upsets. Every year in the NFL, there's going to be upsets. And for the most part, people who enter these pools and people who enter survivor pools just look at who's the biggest favorite of the week. And they take them, which is smart strategy because all you have to do is win. And clearly, if someone's a 9 or 10-point favorite, they have a better chance to win a game than a team that's minus 1 or minus 2. So that's why. People don't pick those games. They pick the biggest favorite of the week. And if you look at it when Circa posts on Saturday night where all the picks are going for that particular week just look at you'll see the most picks are going on probably the biggest favorite of the week or the biggest favorite of the week going to be in the first or second slot until you get into the later weeks of the season when people don't have those teams possibly left but it still all comes down to avoiding that upset because there's going to be upsets um, on multiple weeks and you just have to not be on them and there's no way around it. There's no way to be like, oh, I know this is going to be the week. And that's why there's a lot of, you know, luck involved. There's really no skill involved. Four people out of 9,267 entries could go 20-0. and 0. That just shows you it's not easy to do, even with one team a week. Just pitch. You just look at it. Just pick one team a week, and you get to the next week. That's all you have to do in the NFL. And yet only four people could do it. For 20 weeks because you have the 18 week season and then Thanksgiving is its own week and Christmas is its own week. So that's why I say 20 and 0. But yeah, four teams, four entries went 20 and 0. It's it's 
impressive for sure, but don't tell me there's not a lot of luck involved because there is. So um, anybody that's interested, by a chance, email me, steve at realitysteve.com, and I can maybe help you out uh, with getting set up for next year or how to do it. If you still are confused, I can uh, definitely let you in on that. And I wanted to end with this. So for those that don't know, I hold a Reality Steve fan appreciation party every year in Las Vegas. I've done it ever since 2015, did not do it in 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. But uh, this year upcoming is the eighth year that I've done it. And in 2019, I had someone attend that I just heard some news on. His name is Teague Orgman, or Orgman. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. But Teague is also a fantasy football gambler. And I don't know if you know this, but Vegas every year has a major fantasy football draft where you go out there, you pick your team. I haven't looked at all the statistics and how every team is broken down, but it's I think it's fairly standard in terms of, you know, you pick a quarterback, a couple running backs, a couple receivers, a defense, a kicker, all that stuff. But I believe it's a thousand dollars entry and they only take a certain amount of people. But the main prize is one million dollars. Like you basically if I if I remembering this correctly, because it used to be held at the Venetian because that's where I stay opening weekend for NFL. And I always used to see these guys coming in every weekend. I'd see signs in the hotel talking about the big fantasy football draft. Well, it's moved over to Planet Hollywood. But if I'm not mistaken, they let they let in X amount of teams and you basically play like um, like you're in a division for the NFL. Divisions in the NFL have, you know, four teams in it. The NFC East has four teams. Well, you basically, you know, you pick your team and then you're in you're put in a division with a either ten team a ten team division or twelve team division, and then you play for like the first, you know, you're head to head every week. You win your game, you get your you know, you advance and you get a record, you know. So after twelve weeks of the season, some team might be ten and two. Okay, you won your division, now you're heading to the playoffs where all the division winners and maybe they take a second place. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how the breakdown goes. But the bottom line is former Reality Steve Fan Appreciation Party attendee in 2019, Teague Orgman, is your fantasy football Las Vegas winner this year. He won a million bucks last Sunday. I don't know what his team was. I don't know who he drafted. I don't know who he picked up on waivers during the year. All I do know is he won. And he is the million-dollar winner. So congratulations to Teague for that. I'd be really interested to know the breakdown of everything. It is, if you go look at it, it is called the... um, Oh, what's the name of this league? I think it's the FF. It's the fantasy FFPC main event is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, FFPC main event, fantasy football PC <laughs> uh, main event. And he won it. Um, that's, that's crazy. I mean, as you've heard me complain about fantasy football all year long. It's just there's so much luck involved and there's so much. It's a little bit of strategy, yes. Obviously, you got to keep your, got to keep really up to date on the waiver wire. If you're really interested in matchups and stuff like this, and some weeks maybe you sit your starters. Like for me, I just play my best players every week, and I don't, I don't go too much into the weeds of well, this team has a great pass defense, so I'm gonna sit Puka Nakua this week. I just, I just play my best players. I, I'm guessing Teague probably studied it a little bit more than I do, um, but yeah, you have to avoid injuries. I mean, look. I took Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup in my fantasy football draft. Justin Jefferson missed seven games. He missed portions of two others, and he still had a 1,000-yard season. You don't think I would have made the playoffs? I missed the playoffs by one game in my in my fantasy football league, and that's with Justin Jefferson missing basically nine games. 
Cooper Cup, how good was he this year? I mean, going into the season, he was a number one or number two easy wide receiver in a PPR league. And how good did he do this year? He did shit. <laughs> he had maybe three good games out of 18. Maybe. Maybe four. I, but, you know, you did not get your standard Cooper Cup year. Now, I did pick up Puka in week three, but it just wasn't good enough when you're missing Cooper and JJ for most of your season. So that's what I mean. You just, it's tough. And I'm just not, you know, obviously if I would have entered a pool like this with a thousand dollar entry, yeah, I would have paid a lot more attention and studied a little bit more, but that's what I wouldn't, I just wouldn't enter something like this. I would much rather, you know, do a thousand dollar entrant on um, a survivor pool because it's just, okay, teams. I know this team is better than this team or, you know, I'm just like, I hope to avoid that upset. So, but hey, I'm not taking anything away from Teague. He's just a better man than I to dedicate that much time because you really have to put in some time. I guarantee, I don't know anything about Teague, but I guarantee he didn't just willy-nilly this and win a fantasy football league that had probably, I, I don't even know how many entrants it had, but it's a million-dollar pot, and he won it last Sunday. Congratulations to him. Thank you, everybody, for pay, for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review Tell your friends about it. We're going to have a lot of stuff this week on the NFL playoffs. I didn't even get to the national championship game tonight. Oh, my God. Well, let's end with this. I told you last week on Friday, I want Washington to win. I hope they win. But honestly, I have no idea. This is two teams that are so opposite of each other, you know? Michigan wants to control the clock and play good defense. Washington wants to air it out and chuck it all over the field. If Michigan is having six, seven, eight-minute drives, Washington's in trouble because that means Washington's offense is on the field less and less. And the only way Washington is going to keep up with Michigan is if their offense is on the field. So I'd say that's a big thing heading into tonight. That's not any groundbreaking news there. Washington's offense needs to be on the field for them to win. I know. Great analyst there. Great analyzation there, Steve. I get it. But I'm going to enjoy it. I hope we have a great game. We had two great semifinal games. Both were close. Let's hope this is close as well. So keep that in mind for tonight. We'll definitely be talking about the National Championship game tomorrow. So thank you all for listening once again. I really appreciate it. Tell your friends. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.